0: So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of 2 Kings? Yeah, that's right. Old Testament. About to bring the wrath of God in this. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 2 Kings chapter 4. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's no big deal. We got a big one in the sky for you. But 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was this notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look, now I know this is a holy man of God, and he passes by us regularly. Please, 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 can we make this small upper room on the wall, It's just a small little room, and we'll put a bed in there for him, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand? Is that not a woman right there? <laughs> like, Not just, can we make a room, and we'll put a table, and we'll put a chair, we'll put a lamp, and a rug, and all the things. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And as it happened one day that he came there, he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And I want to read one more scripture to you. We're going to really dive into this story, and it's found in your other favorite book, Leviticus. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 10. And God is telling his people, these are the blessings you will receive when you obey me, when you're walking in obedience. And he says, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you're gonna have to move it out to make room for the new. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, make room. Touch your other neighbor that you just so rudely ignored and say, make room for more. It's like when you go grocery shopping and you get all these new groceries and you have to open the fridge and throw everything out. To make room for the more, like that bag of spinach that you never cooked, and you put it in the trash, and you get that new bag of spinach that's not moldy, and you say, You just take your place right there. Make room for more. I feel like this is just part of my life. My body is making room for more. Uh, Just a few days ago, this is so bad. I like to tell on myself because confess your sins. But the other morning, it was just like Friday. Pastor and I are both um, talking on this same conversation to make room for more. And uh, I was exhausted. Y'all know we had the ice and we were hanging out in the house. Your girl was tired. So one morning, Bear, he's our almost two-year-old, he woke up. He woke up a little early and I grabbed the monitor and I Plunked it over to the other side of bed and said, Babe, I'm making room for more. Can you go get Bear, please? And I handed him the monitor and it was so comical because we're both talking on this making room for more. Just last night, my little five year old, um, speaking of, I can't believe we're gonna be five years old soon. I'm always, I always remember how old the church is because I gave birth to a baby and then we gave birth to a church all at the same time, that was fun, but he came and got in the bed with me last night and pastor's not here so he crawled on pastor's side, well you know they never stay there, next thing I know he's on my pillow snoring in my ear and I'm like Lord would you just make some room, I'm talking on it, would you make it please, he didn't, he snored all night. But we're going to make room for more would you bow your heads and pray god i thank you that even right now you're in this place god i thank you that joy is our strength that it's okay to laugh and god this morning we want to hear from you this morning we want to encounter you so i pray you open every heart every mind and every spirit to receive what you have for each and every person. god i pray that you would move that you would anoint that you would speak in jesus name i pray and everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want us to look at this story. Here we have this woman. And the Bible calls her a notable woman. And that just means she's wealthy. People know her. She's well off. So there's this notable woman. And she notices the prophet Elijah. He would pass by regularly. And I found it interesting that out of everyone in the town, this one woman noticed him passing by and she goes, I gotta cook for him. Have y'all ever met those people who just, they want to cook for you? And if you tell them no, they're offended. You could have just eaten and you go to their house and you're like, I don't have room for anything else, please. But you know, if you say no, they're gonna be hurt. So she loves to serve. She knows this is a man of God. She wants the man of God to come into her house because she just wants to serve him. So she cooks him a meal. He had to be persuaded. I'm going, Elisha, were you fasting all the time? Because you don't have to persuade me to eat some food now. My answer is yes, I'm coming over right now. So she persuaded him to eat some food. So then every time he would pass by this town on his destination to where he was going, he would pop in and get a free meal. Praise God. Well, then this woman, she said, I'm not, I don't want just a moment. With this man who carries the power of God and the presence of God and the anointing of God. I don't want just a moment. I want to build a room for him. I want him to come and stay in my house. I need what he has in my home. So she goes to her husband and she doesn't say, babe, can we get a new laundry room? She doesn't say, hey, can we do a whole kitchen renovation with the, with the waterfall marble and the double island? Can we do that? She doesn't go, hey, babe, can I get some Botox? She says, babe, can we build a room for the man of God? She sees him passing by regularly, chooses to meet with him because she recognizes what's on his life and says, that's not enough. I need more. And she makes a room for the man of God. And what you need to know in this story is that Elisha is a prophet, but he represents the power of God. He represents the anointing. He represents the presence of God. He represents the Holy Spirit. And here we have this one woman out of an entire town of people saying, I want that in my home and I'm going to make room for it. Now listen, everyone else in the town let him pass by. They may have noticed him. They may have been too busy. But he passed by regularly. Yet there was one person who said, I'm not letting you pass me by. I wonder how often we as believers just allow the Holy Spirit to pass us by. That we just allow Jesus to pass us by. We come to church and we allow the presence of God to pass us by. And hear me, it's not just you and me. Look, look at what it says in Luke chapter 18. Verse 35, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing this huge multitude passing by, he said, what does this mean? So they told him, well, Jesus of Nazareth was what? Passing by. And so he cries out and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before him, they said, you need to be quiet. You're a nobody. Be quiet. And yet he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him and said, what can I do for you? And he says, I want to see. And he says, well, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Now, listen, this is a story you probably have heard of once, twice, maybe 12 times. But have you noticed that as Jesus was going, he wasn't walking to the blind man. He was just passing by. There's a crowd of people. There's a big multitude. There's a commotion. But there's one man who said, I'm not letting Jesus pass me by. I might not be able to see. But I've heard, and I refused. and the people said, be quiet. Do you know your issues? Have you seen your flaws? Do you know? Don't you cry out to him. You're a nobody, and yet the man cries out even louder, and Jesus stopped. I, I want to read another story. Mark chapter 6. Jesus sends his disciples to the other side of the sea, and he says he sees them, straining at rowing. You know that motley crew, the disciples. I'm just part of the motley crew. And he saw them straining at rowing because the wind was against him. Now about the fourth watch of the night, three in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they said, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And they cried out and Jesus stops, gets in the boat and the wind calms down. Listen, friend, it's possible for Jesus to pass you by. That's what I'm trying to get to you, is that these miracles didn't happen because Jesus was going to that person to meet the miracle. No, Jesus was passing by. Ten lepers, they're kicked out of society. They have to sit at the beginning, the entrance of the town. Jesus is walking into town when they all cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals them. He wasn't walking to the lepers. He was simply passing by. Jesus is on a boat. He lands on land. He gets out of the boat. Jairus comes up to him and says, hey, Jesus, my daughter's sick. Can you please, can you? Can you just come lay your hands on her and heal her? Jesus says, well, absolutely. Yes, let's go. So as he's walking by, there's a crowd of people that surround him. But there was one woman who said, I'm not going to let you pass me by. And she presses through the crowd. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of your robe, I know I will be healed. She presses in and receives her healing. But hear me. If she would have stopped in fear, she would have died with her issue. It's because she refused to let Jesus pass her by that she received her miracle. How many of us still have issues in our life because we refuse to press in? And we'll go to our grave with these problems and these illnesses and these sickness because we just let Jesus pass us by. There's a crowd of people there, but only one received their healing, their miracle, their breakthrough, because they said, I'm not going to let you pass me by. Friends, don't live your life and let him pass you by. Don't go to the end of your life living moment by moment, day by day, waking up where Jesus just passes you by. Don't go to work and let him pass you by. Don't raise your kids and let him pass you by. Don't go to school and let him pass you by. It's possible for him to pass you by. But have you made room for more? God is looking for people who will make room. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be able to explain it all away. I want my life to be marked by miraculous moments because I chose to make room for him to move, because I chose to make room for a miracle. I don't want to be able to tell my kids, well, yeah, this happened because of this. This happened because we did this. No, I want to say, no, I was desperate. I cried out, and God moved. Don't let him pass you by. When you're raising your kids, don't let him pass you by. He's there. One thing that I've learned is God is always there sometimes we're just not always aware okay he's always available he's always there but I found sometimes we get too busy have you ever heard that saying if the devil can't make you sin he'll make you busy it's true Let's be honest, we're all busy. And even if you're not busy with your schedule and your routine, you can sit there doing nothing and still find yourself being busy, scrolling. You've got the time, you just don't have the discipline. I love you. But I want us to make room. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, last week, I ran into her, she's got three boys, just like me. And we were talking and she was just saying how busy life is with sports and games and practices, you know, I was like, girlfriend, I know. We were just having fun. She serves at her church and she goes, I'm actually having to step down from serving because I found the only Sundays we went to church were the ones we were serving. And she said, this is not right. And she said, I I need to just get my family in the house of God consistently, and then I'll serve again. And I actually, I thought this is the most commendable thing ever. Because I have found oftentimes that when people, when they get so busy and life gets busy, the first thing to go is church. The first thing people take off their list is the house of God. When it literally is biblical, do not neglect the meeting together. But the first thing we do when we get so busy is we mark off church. And I found this woman as she was saying, I can't serve anymore, but I just want to get to the house of God regularly. I thought, that's amazing because most people quit serving and quit going. She says, I still want to serve, just let me get in a new routine. Have you gotten so busy? There's no room for God. Have we become so distracted? Sometimes I think we as believers, we can be like the dog from Up, where he's like squirrel. And he's stuck on the squirrel. I feel like the devil can just throw one little thing, and we're like, news. World's going to end. Doom. And we just stare at it. And we look at it. And we talk about it. And we tweet about it. And we post about it. And we gossip about it. And we can't do anything for God because we're so consumed with this thing instead of taking this whole thing to the one who could do something about it. But I think we've gotten so distracted, or maybe we're wondering, what is everybody else thinking about me? Listen, they're probably not thinking about you. They're probably thinking about themselves. We're people obsessed with ourselves. It's not about you. Have we become so distracted with our to-do lists and our routines and our this and our that, that we refuse to make room for the only thing that matters have we become so culturally minded that we don't even have a kingdom perspective we can't recognize a kingdom anything because we're so filled with culture do have we made room for him in our day-to-day in our everyday life because listen if I asked you if me and you were having coffee or brunch because I like brunch so let's do that if we were having brunch eating bacon and things because bacon is from the Lord. You would probably tell me, well, yeah, I want more from, I want more of God. I want to go deeper. I I want to know what does he have on my life? What has he called me to? You'd probably tell me, "I, I want more of him. But this is what I have found, is you don't go in the direction of your wants, you go in the direction of your disciplines. You may want to have more of God, but if you're not disciplined enough to actually do something about it, you'll never reach that destination. You may want a six-pack, but you may also want cake. Let me tell you, you're gonna go in the direction of your disciplines. That will determine Where you go, you may want to be the best player on the team, but are you disciplined enough to work when everybody else is playing? You may want to be the best student in the classroom, but can you put in the extra hours? You may have great wants, holy wants, awesome wants, but if you don't have the discipline to back it up, you're not going anywhere. You keep talking about how much you want that thing, but you're never going to get that thing because you're not disciplined enough to do the thing. If you want more of God, you got to be disciplined to spend time with him, to carve out time, to make room in your life for him to move. You know, I thought it was so funny when Pastor Drew said this the other week. I actually did the same thing. I wanted to read my Bible so bad every day, but I just couldn't do it. And I tried so hard, and I could not seem to get it done. So I made this deal that I, w- I made it real religious and uh, slightly legalistic, but it worked. <laughs> but I would not let myself eat the bread of the world till I ate the bread of life. <laughs> Very super spiritual, but go with me. And I was disciplined enough to do it. I have, and listen, y'all, I have already established I like to eat, okay? Your girl's not skipping breakfast a day in her life unless God tells her to. Lord, please, no. So I would wake up and I would be like, I'm, first thing I'm doing is opening that thing. I don't even get a couple of scriptures. I might be hangry, but I'm getting it in while I'm eating, But I was disciplined enough to do it where eventually my discipline led to desire. I didn't have to force myself to do it. I fell in love with it. And my desire took me on a road to the destination that I wanted to go. But it all started with discipline. And the point is, guys, it's possible for God to pass by. It's possible to live your life, to be in the crowd of people watching him pass you by, coming to church, being enamored with all the things. Because listen, you know, in those crowds of people, everybody had a need. They all had something, yet we only read of one person who had their need met. Listen, your need doesn't obligate God to perform a miracle. You may have a need, but that doesn't mean he has to come through for you. Why did Jesus meet the needs of the ones we read about? Because they came close. The Bible says, draw near to me. And what? I'll draw near to you. Their pursuit of him pulled out the miraculous. It wasn't simply because the man was blind and begging. Yes, he had a need, but he was hungry. He was desperate. The crowd said, Be quiet. Would you stop? No one cares about you. And yet he cried out even more. He was desperate. Listen, church, this morning are you desperate or are you too dignified to be desperate for him I'm not trying to be harsh but I'm trying to be real because God's not looking for your dignity he's looking for your desperation God's not looking for you to come to him awesome he's looking for you to come to him empty don't walk in here filled up how's God gonna fill you up if you come in with your grandiosity knowing it all and I got it all together I'm sorry, friend, you don't, because none of us do. The story right before this, right before us, 2 Kings chapter 4, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, there's a woman you've all probably heard about, and she was married to this man of God, and you know he's a man of God when the woman says he's a man of God, (laughs) because the wife knows. And uh, he's this man of God, and he died, and she's got two sons, The creditors are coming to take her sons into slavery because she has a debt that she can't pay. And I have to pause because this is a picture of today. We've got dads who have spiritually died. And because of that, there is a real enemy coming to take the next generation and enslave them because we don't have men of God who will rise up and be desperate, who will come to church and say, we're not missing a Sunday morning. Get your booty out of bed. We're getting there. And so she goes to the prophet Elisha and she says, hey, what... My husband, he served you and now he's dead. They're going to take my sons. I got nothing else. Please help. He says, What do you have in your house? She goes, Literally nothing. That's why I came to you. Got a tiny little jar of oil. And he goes, Take that oil, go to all of your neighbor's house, borrow as many empty vessels as you can find. Get as many of them as you can get. Bring them in, shut the door, and begin to pour. And the Bible says that she got her tiny little jar, and she got all these vessels, and the jar didn't pour and multiply until it met empty. And she poured and that one filled and her son brought another one and another one and another one and another one. Listen, friends, God's not looking for you to come to him as a vessel halfway full, a quarter full. God's looking for empty vessels that he can pour his spirit into, that he can pour his power into. He can pour his truth, his authority, his anointing into. But my question is, is have we made room the question is not, does God have more? Of course he has more. Do you have room? If he was gonna pour as exceedingly abundantly above out on your life, does it have anywhere to go? Does it have a kingdom mission attached to it? Is there a kingdom purpose or is everything about me and my kingdom, how I can make my name great, how I can make people think I'm awesome, or is it No. Listen, y'all, one of the things I pray, if not daily, weekly, is John 3.30. Lord, please, less of me and more of you. I almost beg him sometimes. Please, God, get Lindsay out of Lindsay. We need her to go. She's crazy, Lord. Please. And fill me with you. God is looking for people who will come to him and say, God, I got nothing. Because let me tell you, when you're empty and you're desperate, you are very acutely aware of who your source is. And what I love about this story, if you go on to Kings chapter 4, the woman who made an actual room for the man of God, the presence of God, the anointing, the power, the authority of God. The prophet wants to do something for her. So he looks at her and she's older in age. I read somewhere she's like 200 years old pretty old. He looks at her. She's been barren, doesn't have kids, and says, by this time next year, you will have a son. Yes. Now look, giving birth at 200 sounds rough. (laughs) I'm exhausted, and I'm nowhere near there. So it comes true, obviously. He's a prophet. He's from God. She gives birth to a son. She's no longer barren. It's a wonderful time. This little boy grows up, and he goes out in the fields to work with his dad. All of a sudden, it gets a little hot. He gets a headache. He comes inside. He sits in his mom's lap. Before you know it, he passes away. And here you have this mom who's made room, who's received this miracle, and she's looking at this dead promise. She's holding this dead dream And she doesn't get angry. She doesn't get mad at God. She doesn't throw a fit. She doesn't quit believing. You know what she does in that moment? She takes this little boy, she picks him up. Guess where she goes? To the room she made for a miracle. And she carries her little boy in there. She lays him on the prophet's bed. She closes the door, goes and finds the prophet, tells him what happened. Elisha walks in, lays on the little boy three times, cries out to God. God resurrects this little boy, brings him back to life because she made room for a miracle. And she didn't wait until her dream died. She didn't wait until that thing in her life had died. She didn't wait till she was in the valley. No, she made room for a miracle when she was on the mountaintop. She made room for a miracle when things were going great. She didn't wait for things to go bad to cry out. She just recognized you're a carrier of the presence of God. I I, I need that in my house. You don't have to give me a son. I just want more of you. You don't have to give me that breakthrough. I just want the presence of God. I just want more of you. Listen, the miracle didn't happen because of who she was. The miracle happened because of who was in the house. God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of pursuit. Have we made room for him? Or are we so consumed with making room for everything else? Hear me, what are you making room for? Because you are making room for something. Are you filling up rooms with anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment? What rooms are you building in the home of your heart and in your physical home? Rooms of strife? Stop filling up the spaces with your life with doubt and anxiety and negativity. Think about it. What am I making room for day in, day out? Or are we so busy going thing to thing to thing to thing to thing that we have no time to make room? You make time to schedule a, a meeting. Can't you do that with God? 10 to 10.30, I'm busy. I can't. I'm so sorry. I've got a meeting. Nobody needs to know with who. You just set time aside to be with him. We've forgotten how to be still and know. Because we're so busy doing everything else, God is looking for vessels. He'll say, I'm empty. He said to the prophet Isaiah, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me. I'll go. But Isaiah took time to listen and respond. You can't respond to what you don't hear. If you don't take time to hear and to make room for a miracle, you can't respond and say, here I am. God, I'll clear my schedule. I'm on your time. I know I had plans to do this, but you know what? I'd rather hang out with you for five more minutes. What are we making room for? God is always talking, but are we always listening? The problem isn't God's character. The problem is our capacity. The problem is us with our vessels coming in half full thinking, oh God, I'll just get a little bit or I'll come and see what this church can do for me and I'll just sit here and be part of the crowd and just wanna be enamored. Not gonna actually press in. I'm just gonna let God pass me by. Are you hungry enough to make room for a miracle? And I'm going to close with this. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Even Jesus had to make room for a miracle. I I told you about the story when Jairus came to Jesus, said, hey, my daughter is sick. Can you come lay your hands on her and heal her? Jesus says, yeah, of course. They go, woman with the issue comes in, they stop. Jairus gets word his daughter has died. Don't bother troubling the teacher now. Your daughter's dead. Jesus looks at this man, laughs. No, she's asleep. Got it. They go on their journey, make it there. Can you imagine Jairus, every step of the way, having to say, Jesus said she's asleep, but I just heard my daughter's dead. But Jesus said she's asleep. Jesus said, my dream might just be sleeping, it's not dead. That promise that I'm believing for is just sleeping, it's not dead. I just need to get Jesus in the room to resurrect that dead thing back to life. But I gotta make a room for Jesus to get in to bring the resurrection. So Jesus gets in the house and he makes room. He walks in the room with this little girl and he says, you need to get out. And he removes people from the room in order to perform the miracle. Hear me. Even Jesus made room. Sometimes making room for a miracle is setting time aside. It's also removing. Removing some bad habits. Removing some relationships that you know aren't good for you. Even Jesus made room. If he did, how much more should we? This morning, church, I want us to make room for more. I want to be known as a people who make room for more in our everyday life. You probably have three minutes at some point in your day where you can be still and shift your focus on your source. So with every head bowed, I want to just ask you a couple questions. Have you made room in your life for more? I want us to be a people, God, we're hungry for more. We want to be people who make room for you to move, who aren't so self-absorbed and self-consumed that we can't see you right in front of us. God, that we would be a people who would cry out in all seasons, God, when things are great, that we would say, yes, Lord, we've got time for you. And yet when things are hard, we can run to the place we've already created. If you're in this place and you say, Lindsay, I need to make room. That's me. Would you just raise your hand? I want to make room for a miracle. Hallelujah. There's hands up everywhere. That's all of us. We all want to make room. This is what I want to do. Would you just repeat after me? Would you say, Jesus, help me make room for you to move in my home, in my family, in my workplace. Help me be disciplined to choose you over everything. And I wanna do one more thing. If you're in this place, we always like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Are you absolutely sure your life is right with God? I'm gonna count to three. One, if you wanna give your life to him, put your hand in the air. Two, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Are you hungry? Are you desperate? Three, if you wanna give your heart to God, would you just raise your hands? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One more thing, family, can we do this? Can we all raise our hands? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me, set me ablaze. Help me be passionate for you. I wanna burn for you. In Jesus' name, come on church, in Jesus' name, can we give him a shout of praise?